When I was younger, my mom would always give me advice that sounded like it came from a fortune cookie. Most of it went in one ear and out the other. There's a few I remember, though. Like, even moderation and moderation, Torah. And if you think he's the one, go on a road trip. Well, Sherry Nimigers and Gabe Rosescu had been dating for about six months when they decided to put that last piece of advice to the test. On a bright and sunny morning, they left Weyburn, Saskatchewan, a small farming town in the prairies, and headed for Trail, BC, a mining town in the mountains. It's a 700-mile trip, 13 hours of driving. 12 hours into it, they're still going strong, driving along the windy roads between the mountains. They've almost made it, just 50 miles to go. The views are stunning. There are some rain clouds in the distance, but overhead, the skies are blue. Those clouds in the distance must have dropped some rain somewhere, because the tiny creek that runs alongside the highway looks like a river you could do whitewater rafting on. They've just crested a ridge and are heading down into the next valley. They round a bend and can't believe what they see. Heading on cruise control, cruising along, talking, everything's great, and then bang. That's Gabe. He's the one driving at this point. There's a tree sliding across the highway. The tree isn't falling. It's riding on a massive mudslide that's crossing the highway. The mudslide hit on my side. That's Sherry. She's in the passenger seat. Instantly, it knocked the, both of us out. So how many times we tumbled, how many, you know, if it just pushed us straight down or we don't know. We were knocked out. I'm Tora Kutcher, and this is Tell Me What Happened, true stories of people helping people, an original podcast by OnStar. Every day when you wake up, you don't know if you'll be a person who needs help or if you'll be a person that helps someone else. It's important to remember that it's in all of us to be either one of those things every day. May 17th, somewhere around 6.30 in the evening, Gabe and Sherry are approaching the finish line of an epic road trip. They're first as a couple. We had known each other six months. We were still getting to know each other. So, I mean, it was a lot of conversation, likes, dislikes, and of course, favorite music. And it was going so good. They're driving west on a two-lane highway past farms, ranches, foothills, and then mountains. To pass the time, they're playing that road trip staple. Name that tune. We would just, you know, pick different stations. And do you know the name of the song and do you know the artist? That's kind of the game we play. Sherry is kicking Gabe's butt. Yeah, she's got a good memory. Around the 600-mile mark, they reach the town of Creston, and they've got a decision to make. You go right to take the ferry, or you go left to take the scenic route. And Gabe asked which one I wanted to do, and I'm like, Let's do scenic. We got the time. But just after they make that call, the weather starts to turn. I don't remember it raining hard, but drizzling a little bit. I've driven in snow before and whatnot, so it, it wasn't any of concern. Just another rainy day. Okay, we'll get through this. 
And this is where they crest a ridge, round a bend, and come face to face with a mudslide. In all the years I've been driving, you know, to the coast and to the mountains, and there was never that thought that something was going to happen as, as dramatic, as devastating, as, as big, until that moment. A tree looked like it was moving literally across the highway. Seeing a, a tree upright moving along the highway across from you and was, was something we couldn't even comprehend. It's not just a tree. Tons of rocks and dirt and logs are pouring across the road. Didn't even have a time to react. The avalanche of earth smashes into their car, shattering the windshield, crumpling the hood. Then, with Gabe and Sherry unconscious inside it, the car is swept over a cliff. It's a drop of a couple hundred feet to the river below. It wouldn't be survivable. But a tiny thing saved them. Two trees clinging to the edge of the mountain. Old pines with deep roots that had withstood the force of the mudslide. Caught the car like a leaf on a sewer grate. Next thing I remember is waking up on my steering wheel. Our vehicle was pointing downwards and to the left. And I remember lifting my head off the steering wheel and then feeling this massive pain on in my head and moaning real loudly. I woke up to Gabe's moaning and the smell of wet dirt. I could smell the mud. I could hear the river below us just running. Stillness, there's a stillness. The only part of the car that hasn't been crushed is the three feet of space where they're sitting. I felt like we were in our own little bubble. We sat in this bubble, the passenger seat and the driver's seat, and none of the exterior framing uh, didn't, didn't crumble us. Being in a bubble doesn't mean they've avoided injury. Gabe is bleeding heavily from a massive gash across his forehead. When he pulled himself off the steering wheel, the left side of his head was hanging down from above my right eye all the way across to my left ear. And um, that crushed my skull. The pain hit me, my pain, my chest. I didn't know what was wrong with it at the time, if it was crushed or what, but it was hard to breathe. What it was, was a broken sternum. But their injuries, as gruesome as they are, aren't actually their biggest danger. When I looked out my window, it was straight down. This is Tell Me What Happened, a podcast created by OnStar to showcase how important a human connection is when you need help. Whether you're lost on a backcountry road or dangling over a valley supported by a pair of pine trees. At that very moment, a few miles behind Sherry and Gabe, but also traveling west on the same highway, was a rental car being driven by Marty Bowes. My work colleague, Dave Bell, and myself uh, had been out in Castlegar, BC. We were just uh, slowly making our way back to Cranbrook and kind of enjoying the, the scenery and the nice drive. Then they crested the same ridge, 
rounded the same bend that Gabe and Sherry had. There was this massive mudslide right across the road. We had to hit our brakes fairly quickly. The road is completely blocked. There's no way to drive around it. So Marty and Dave stop the car and sit there puzzled about what to do next. It was probably 30 feet tall in places. It was rocks, it was trees, it was mud. Uh, The water was still rushing down off the mountain and rolling across it. It was an incredible sight. Like, I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. Dave turns to Marty and says, You imagine getting hit by one of those things, it would knock you right down into the river. I don't know if it was intuition or what it was, but we decided, let's let's walk up there and let's just have a, a look around. Driven by curiosity, or maybe intuition, they start making their way over piles of rocks. They duck under the branches of fallen trees. They still haven't seen Gabe and Sherry's car. It's hidden over the edge of the cliff, hanging on those two old pines. And Gabe and Sherry don't know anyone is around, so they start to plan their own escape. I asked Gabe to look out his window, and he's like, yeah, no, I can see, I can see the ground, so we had to climb out his side. They move slowly, careful not to shift the balance of weight, dreading the thought that one misstep could send their car tumbling down the cliff. The blood on Gabe's face is so bad he can hardly see, and every moment sends searing pain through Sherry's chest. As she tries to move, she discovers her ankle is broken. She had her right foot pointing backwards. It was almost severed. But staying where they are isn't an option. I was crawling, stepping one time in the mud, like crawling-wise, like like putting my hand down. They make it out of the car and collapse in a heap on a small ledge. Gabe starts to yell. Looking up the mountain and calling for help. And... I only remember one time calling for help. But that one time is all it takes. I was over my waist in mud and debris already, so I turned back to Dave and I said, we're not gonna get in there, so let's just turn around. And it was within seconds of me saying, let's just turn around that that we heard the yells. So we got muddy and crawled in to where we could find the people yelling for help. When he was younger, Marty was a volunteer firefighter. Suddenly, that training from long ago came flooding back. The one thing that helped a little bit was the mental side of things and staying calm. Um, I've been involved in many accidents and fires and, and seen people at their worst, so I was able to keep calm. But even his experienced eyes were shocked by what he saw when they found Gabe and Sherry. The top of his forehead was peeled from his eyebrows right to the back of his head. I remember at one point telling him to hold his head on. Gabe's injuries are severe, but miraculously, he's able to walk. They told Gabe to go ahead because he could climb. He had nothing else wrong with him from the head down. So I kind of grabbed him, put his arm around mine, and was able to walk with him out of the mudslide. They get Gabe up and out to solid ground, then turn their attention to Sherry. I am like, well, I'll just pick up Sherry and we'll just carry her out of here. So when I tried to lift her, she was uh, screaming in pain and had to let her down. And 
we had to kind of come up with another plan to, to start getting her out of the mudslide. Hi, Dad. Kyle. Hi, Kyle. Tuck your head underneath. Okay, Kyle. By this time, two other men have arrived, truck drivers who are traveling on the same highway but in the opposite direction. They heard the shouting and came to help. There was a log that had fallen across a good portion of the mudslide, like 50 or 60 feet long. What we ended up doing was getting her sat onto that. The four of us made a chain and we would kind of scoot her on her butt along this log. Just wait, just wait. Where's your vehicle? Down below. Yeah. They would have to shimmy me up, then pull each other out and keep doing that. We all just jumped in, didn't care to exchange pleasantries. It was just like four people didn't even think, they just got him out. Just put your arm around my neck, that's your head. Okay, you have They put Gabe and Sherry into their car. Safe, but not out of danger. Gabe is losing blood at a potentially fatal rate. These two women appeared out of nowhere, and to this day, we still don't know who they are or where they came from, but they came with towels. They used the towels to slow the bleeding. Then it was a race to the hospital. Dave just basically shot down the mountain, pedal to the metal, try and get them down the mountain to where he could find cell service and get them to a, to a hospital. As soon as they're low enough on the mountain to get a cell signal, Dave calls 911. He met up with a ground ambulance and got them into that. There's two ambulances and I went in one. They got me on a stretcher in one and they put Gabe on a stretcher in another. They let us kiss and hug and say goodbye to each other and I thought that'd be the last time I seen him. Sherry's taken to a local hospital, but Gabe's condition is deteriorating quickly. He gets airlifted to a major trauma hospital. In the end, Sherry had surgery on her leg and chest. She regained the ability to walk after two months of rehab. Gabe lost the sight in his left eye and has a large scar that runs across his forehead. But they are both alive, all thanks to Marty and Dave, the two truck drivers coming from the other side, and the ladies with the towels, all of them strangers and all of them heroes. I want them to know that you guys are special. You you just saved two human beings and thank you. It's actually hard to put into words. Touches the two of our hearts very much. Um, As you can tell, it's very emotional for the two of us because we, uh, there are heroes, there are angels. We'll always be, in gratitude to them. They hold a big place in our heart. And speaking of hearts, it turns out my mother's advice about couples who travel together was right. We grew stronger from it. Um, That summer after the accident, we were pretty much clued at the hip through the healing process with each other. Um, And yeah, it's it's been good. We've, We've been good ever since.
Gabe and Sherry aren't the only people who have encountered unexpected trouble on the roads. Marianne Adams is a disaster response expert and has been on the phone for a lot of harrowing escapes. We had a customer traveling to work during the early morning hours, so it was very dark. Um, she couldn't see what was going on, and there was heavy rain that was occurring. Well, the roads began to flood, and she didn't know how deep the water was. And she drove into the flooded waters unknowingly, and her car began to float, and it began to float away. So then her vehicle got caught up in some trees where it wasn't floating as much down the flooded waters, but her vehicle was taking on water at that point. And if she had stayed in the vehicle, um, she likely wouldn't have made it. So we helped her evacuate out of her vehicle window. She was able to grab onto a tree. So um, she was very fortunate to be able to escape her vehicle. So it was a good story in the end. This series is produced by OnStar, and part of our promise to you is that every episode will include a piece of information that will help keep you safe. So I want to do that by asking Marianne, when you see water on the road, how do you know how deep it is? You know what? If there's a question in terms of how deep it is, you shouldn't go through it, right? If you're unfamiliar with the roads, if, if you're driving and you're, you think you're going deeper, you should turn around. I mean, the saying, turn around, don't drown. It's very easy to remember, and you shouldn't take the chance. And there are many people that do take the chance and think that they can get through it, and then their vehicle starts to float, and they get caught up in the racing waters, which can be very, very dangerous. So the best thing to do is to not take a chance and and just turn around and go another way. Is a situation like that more common on a commute where you do feel so comfortable with the road and you do feel like you know where you're going, you know the ups and downs because you do it every day? There, I can give you an example here in the Detroit area. Our freeways tend to flood very easily. So on your normal commute, you think you might be able to get through, but all of a sudden, you know how the freeway goes down under the underpasses, right? And so all of a sudden you're down very, very low and that water is rising very fast because when the rain is coming really fast, it can't drain as quickly as we'd like it to, right? It has nowhere to go. And so you could get caught up even in your normal commute, which is why what one of the things that people should do is basically be prepared and understand your conditions before you head out on the road, even for that normal commute. Now, you are the disaster response manager. What do you always tell people about how to prepare in their cars in particular in case they come across severe weather like flooding? Um, One of the statistics that is um, available from the U.S. Department of Transportation is that 21% of our vehicle accidents in this country occur because of severe weather. That adds up to over 1.2 million accidents annually that are caused by severe weather. So basically what you want to do is try and avoid it, um, you know, in the first place. What are the risk factors for mudslides in particular? Well, mudslides, you don't know when they're going to happen, right? 
And so, you know, it may be raining. You're not really sure what the rain is doing to the conditions where the mudslide is, you know, could potentially happen. So the question is, um, in your local area or where you're passing, is there information that your the local government shares with you about mudslides and whether or not it's dangerous? If the mudslide already occurred, then it's likely that there's um, indications that the roads are closed and you shouldn't be going down that route. If you do find yourself in a flash flood, in a mudslide, in a place where, you know, escaping your vehicle becomes difficult, are there tools that you can use to help that? There are tools, actually. Um, there's a little hammer that you can purchase to crack your windows, you know, in case uh, the power goes out and you can't use your power in your vehicle to make sure that you can escape through that window. It's just a, a small tool with a really sharp point that allows you to hit it. Then you can, you know, use your um, feet to break through and, and get through the window. This tool has the seatbelt cutter on the same in the same tool. So it's a seatbelt cutter as well as a, a sharp point to break your window. Under what situation would you need a seatbelt cutter? Let's say your seatbelt did get stuck and you couldn't get it loose. You know, maybe it wasn't working for some reason. You couldn't find the button. You're disoriented. You have to have that tool right next to you. No, putting it in the trunk of the car is not going to help you, right? Even putting it in your glove box, it could be a challenge to get it from the glove box. So a lot of vehicles now have little pockets on the side of the door. So putting on in that left-hand side by, your, by uh, where you're driving is, is probably a good idea. If you get stuck or you get swept off the road or you feel like you might be lost the road, which happens a lot in winter storms, how important is it to keep your car lights on to have some way to signal people that are potentially driving by? That's really important. You know, you want to turn your flashers on, right? You want to give people a heads up as to where you're located. You may be stuck on the road and you do not want to have a truck or any other vehicle hitting you from behind. So keeping your hazard lights on is very, very important. That's the other thing that you should keep in your emergency vehicle kit is um, hazard lights um, that you can use, that you can put out on the road. Um, the triangles that they have that are visible in the nighttime so that people know that something's coming up. Because if you can't get off the road, that is very, very dangerous, right? You're putting yourself at risk. And this is particularly true at night. You're right. It's, it's very important to keep your flashers on so that people can see you. That was Marianne Adams. She's the Disaster Response Manager with OnStar. That's it for this episode of OnStar's Tell Me What Happened, true stories of people helping people. If you'd like to read more stories like this one, or if you want more information about how to identify mud holes and other driving dangers, there's a link in the show notes to take you to our website. Or you can go straight to OnStar.com and tell us your favorite story about a time that a stranger helped you. Let's share some love for people who help others in big ways and small. On behalf of OnStar, I'm Torah Kutcher, and please be safe out there.